Welcome to the bite-sized edition of Hospitality News and Views. In today's edition, Raj and Richard discuss identity checks. I think, I think we've just gone, gone, gone round back to um, IDs, haven't we? Yeah, we, actually we have. We have, in that, sense, in that sense, we have. But again, the ID, we don't, you know, um, what I would say about the ID, and again, this is what I was, um, wanted to really highlight, you can actually do a lot of this stuff without having to take a copy of the person's ID. A lot right. of stuff can be done without storing it on your systems. A lot of it can be done in such a way that you can say, look, the ID was checked. And even though we don't have the ID, that process is so thorough. It's a bit like e-sign. When you do an e-sign, you should get a third party to manage that e-sign process so that you can say, look, that if that third party is happy, that means it's correct. And that's why e-sign is so good now. E-sign, and that's why you know the big companies are using e-sign to do really big deals from a yeah. consumer perspective because the process is right. And I think that hospitality, unfortunately, tends to be a bit slow on the uptake of the new technologies. And, and because of that, they actually kind of suffer. And the worst thing is in the UK, I can't speak for other, other countries because I don't know the laws well enough, but in the UK, we have had laws that have allowed hoteliers exemptions in terms of handling money you know, that don't apply to other industries. So a good example is, the hospitality, the hospitality Act allows the hotels to take money in advance and or to not return it. Right. Right. So, it so, and that's been going on for over 200 years or 150 years or whatever. It goes back to the Blooming Taverns when you had the, you know, the people on coaches. It goes back to those times. And the, and the law is still in place? The legislation yeah, the hospitality is still... Act is still there. Why do you think the Hospitality Act is allowed pre-auth? Hospitality, you can't do pre-auths in your local retailer or wherever. Oh, you have to be a hotel. You have to be registered as a hospitality style company to do a pre-auth. It's because of those laws. Right, right. Interesting. Yeah, mm. you know, so I think that too many people don't realise that these things are available. They don't handle the things properly. And then they get, and then they wonder, wonder why you know, we're losing money. It's, it's almost certainly because they haven't thought it through. Interesting. So that's an that's argument in itself to move into the hospitality sector. <laughs> that's right. And the technology-wise, I mean, maybe you know, when the corporate sector, we know we talk about doing, you know, they should travel less because less need to be face-to-face. You could argue that technology should enable these things. Technology can enable a lot of good things. And I think that technology and the way it has to enable people to actually even take a holiday, handle the day-to-day stuff and all the rest of it. Hospitality is just a bit bit far back really you know when you look at other you look at other industries you look at some of this stuff it's been around there for decades some of this stuff i mean 100 percent. and i remember a couple of years ago actually uh, something i was doing on digital marketing and um the illustrated how retail was so so far ahead of of um, hospitality and that you know if you buy a certain uh, washing up liquid let's say at a certain supermarket You'll get vouchers for the washing up liquid and you won't get vouchers for a golf weekend. Whereas you stay in a hotel chain, you might not play golf, but you, you get irrelevant offers. Um, yeah, so right. even that kind of thing that, you know, we, we need to know, we need to be more in sync with, with, with the clients. Yeah, that's, that's I think sure. one of the things that's really um, needed and, and you see it in other industries and in some respects, it's almost alluded to when you, people talk about you know, customer focus groups and so on. Know your customer. You know, in the financial, in the financial services, uh, they have a KYC process. Know your customer. They, they need to do it in order to stop 
the you know, fraud and money laundering and all that kind of stuff. So know your customer it doesn't mean to say you, you're doing it because you're going to, um, you think the person's going to commit a fraud. Obviously, we have an anti-fraud system. That's the reason we do some of this stuff. But know your customer should mean you should actually just appreciate, one, one is appreciate that they are unique. I, I'm a great believer in every human being is unique. So therefore, if they're unique, what, you know, what can you say about them that makes them unique? And this other thing is, if you do know your customer, chances are you then get to know the family, you get to know their friends in the sense that you can put forward offers that they will find worthwhile handing on to other people in their circle. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example of know your customer from that perspective. It goes back many years. Um, there was a, I think it was either Singer or one of their competitors. You know, these people who actually make sewing machines. Yeah. Okay. And their sales were dropping really badly. And, and everyone's blaming the internet. They said, because of the internet, our sales are dropping. Okay. And one of their sales guys came up with the most stupid idea. It was so stupid that even the management said, this is a stupid idea. And because he was quite forthright and gave it a bit of a push and believed in it, they ended up actually doing it. They actually decided to trial his idea. And his idea was buy one, get one free. Put the price up, put the price up slightly or to, to a certain level, maybe 25% or whatever, but buy one, get one free on sewing machines. Mm. On, 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 think about it, on sewing machines. Whoever buys a sewing machine, if you do buy one, do you really need a second one? Okay. Mm-hmm. Turned out to be a massive boost in sales. And the reason it turned out to be a massive boost in sales is that what that sales guy understood was that people had sewing clubs had crochet clubs and they would actually get together to get that free machine. Mm. I love those stories. What is it from the 1960s maybe or something, is it? Oh, this is, no, I'm talking about 1990s. This is oh, really? tail end 1990s, early 2000s. Wow. Because the internet was actually seen as a threat to the business. Yeah. yeah. And they came up to buy one, get one free. It's fantastic. And yeah. that could apply to so many things. Yeah, yeah. 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 And know your oh. customers. I'll give you another example of know your customer that I came across uh, last year, actually. I thought it was quite a funny one. So actually, it was, it was this is sort of January last year. So, so just before the pandemic, we were looking at changing our car. Right. So um, we went down to, it was, it was Mercedes. We went down to have a look at them. And, um, and while I was sitting there uh, with the, with, uh, the guy who's a sales guy who's looking at some paperwork and all the rest of it. And we just sat in, I was sitting there just chatting to him, really. And there was a salesman behind me who was having to deal with a family. Okay. And they were talking and talking and talking about this Mercedes that they were interested in. And I noticed it was the kids who were doing the talking, even though the mum and dad were there. And then I, I sort of looked over my shoulder and I could see the dad was just basically being beaten to he was just worrying about what the hell is the cost of this vehicle going to be but didn't say anything right mm-hmm. it was so obvious that he was sort of just looking at it and he was looking at it in terms of no but he couldn't say it and the kids were saying yo we have this 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 all this sort of stuff and, I, and, I, and after they sort of no went out to look at one of the cars I asked the sales guy who's looking after me I said how many times do the kids make the decision on buying a car he said every time. Yeah, it's an interesting one, really. Um, a couple of stories that, that, that I've heard from some of the some of the um, taped taped courses that I've that I've listened to in the past. But on car sales, 
and they were talking about and again it's, it comes back to the know your customer um thing um you can you can read all the stats on a, on cars and you know all the facts and figures but it's quite an at the end of the day and it ties in with with the kids thing as well it's quite an emotional purchase and there are other there are other things we buy that are emotional as well and the question was will that purchase be based on the facts and figures or will it be based on what you think your neighbours will feel when they look through the curtains at your new car? Um, and so, uh, another one was um, fish sales in in, this, in a department store in Boston, I'm afraid. So it's not a UK uh, story, but they were the biggest seller of fish in Boston. And, and an old lady said, uh, you know, that she never buys her fish there because it's it's not fresh. You know, she was. It's in fact it was boxed pretty fast put in ice and and sold she was expecting it just to be on slabs of ice so they um they did the slabs of ice fish as well and they doubled their sales the already the biggest seller of fish in boston doubled their sales wow. so yeah yeah there are some it's a, you know we think we we think we know our customers but yeah we don't we don't quite know it's, I, I think hospitality really struggles with that it really does and you know just what you're saying there think about tesco think about as to if they have a bakery where do they place it near the entrance they want the smell of the bread to walk through and encourage you to come in and stay in sort of thing you know and the reality is that's how it, that's how they actually design their stores and I'm not saying that we put bakeries in uh, hotels or whatever, but we can learn to make the place a bit more inviting in such a way that it draws people in. The issue is then, what do you do with the people? I think one of the things that's happening in hospitality, and, and here I'm talking hotels and service departments, people are, their approach to the business model is they want to know what the person is going to be doing before they arrive. Okay, so therefore, uh, pre-booking is all is, is going to be the the really big thing now, isn't it? It's going to be pre-books, pre-booking uh, accommodation. In terms of restaurants and so on, same thing. How many people want walk-ins right now? I'm sure that some restaurants will be desperate for walk-ins, but a hell of a lot of them are probably doing quite well now because people are pre-booking. And when they pre-book, next thing you know, they're going to be saying, look, here's our menu for that day. Why don't you tell us what you want as a starter? We'll have it ready for you quicker. So as a result, know your customer it becomes a different sort of thing. It, you know, it, it really it, it changes because it's like we need to almost advance notice. We're not trying to invite new customers in. We're just trying to get a, let let uh, let um, new customers come from word of mouth, maybe. But the way we deal with the customer requires a better way of actually understanding what will actually make their moment with you special. Yeah, I mean we're we're in a people person um, sector, aren't we? Really. So I'd, I'd like at least to think that if anybody is emotionally <laughs> emotionally attached to the clients it's people in hospitality um and therefore we should be kind of better uh, we should be able to better understand perhaps our, our clients when you were when you were speaking then it, it made me think really of weddings and the situation there though and and whether there will be whether it's in fact legally possible in in this country but just walk walk in weddings drive through weddings you know I mean, like in las vegas well it's so frustrating they're putting the weddings off time and time again and and just say okay look, we'll have a party afterwards but let's just go to the drive-in drive-through wedding place and get get it done and um you know and then and then move on and have your celebrations afterwards i don't know really but i, I, I think there will be an element 
um, society, from a society perspective of multiple, a, a journey having accepted you've got multiple steps and therefore, yeah, maybe with a wedding, you have you know, a smaller wedding first and then you have your celebration you know, a month later or weeks later or whenever. But when you start thinking, the way I look at it with hospitality, as um, and especially with hotels, I think more so with hotels is when they're going to start opening up their restaurants. I mean, uh, a lot of the way the hotels operate, if you actually think about it, they, they want people to spend money there. The accommodation is almost like not the thing that they're really into. So therefore, at a woman with the bars be open, when can we start charging a fortune for the blooming little bottle of whiskey you've taken out of the fridge and all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. So um, knowing the customer, it, okay. it's going to be from that perspective they're going to want to do it. Whereas look at service departments, looks at maybe even hostels and others, uh, types mm-hmm. of uh, accommodation. Um, know your customer is more about the experience that you can actually, or they, they can get from being at your place rather than somebody else's. I mean, I think we've got to get used to a lot of changes. At the beginning of COVID, they, we were warned that, there were, that it'll be a different world. And I couldn't quite accept that and, and, and imagine it. But it will be a different world when we're, when we're coming out. And I'm, 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 wondering, I'm wondering whether the hologram industry is, is, is the future. We'll kind of like have business business meetings as hologram individuals. Even go on holiday, it'll save me a fortune. Go on the beach as a hologram, you know. Well, what you're about to say, the hologram's going to be the meet and greet. <laughs> well, you can do that as well. For, if it, but yeah, take it further. Don't get, don't bother getting on a plane. Actually, have a hologram holiday. Hologram holiday. We've already. I'm going to register that as a domain name. <laughs> Virtual world. Yeah, yeah. In some respects, those countries that open up quicker, and hopefully now that the 19th has been chosen for the you know, 19th of July, hopefully it doesn't yeah. get further than that. I mean, that would be awful. But once you get past it and you get start getting back to whatever the normal is at the time. Hopefully that will set a template for other parts of the world. I have a, a view that normal is not going to be normal as it was pre-pandemic. I think it's going to be normal as it is now. And that means that you know, whatever restrictions are in place, and there will be some restrictions in place, don't, don't fight against it. Work out how to work with it and actually, as a business, work out how to operate in a way that you don't people don't feel threatened when they work on you know, when they come onto your premises and yeah, that, that I mean, change of attitude i think is going to be required and when we start doing things in the uk and other countries start and in europe and you know, united states then the rest of the world will almost sort of take a look at that and they'll start doing that and that will become the new normal it will become normal to almost suddenly say right okay carry a mask around with you don't have to wear it all the time but there might be times when you do need to use it there might be a, the, the, the social distancing element, queuing for a table. All of a sudden, you won't be staying shoulder to shoulder. You'd have a few steps between each other. That yeah. will become normal. And, you know, um, it doesn't mean to say you can't have a conversation. It doesn't mean to say you can't just uh, enjoy the moment. But it's just that becomes a new normal. Being packed yeah. in sardines would be seen as not being part of the new normal. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I know, I, I, I agree there will be people that won't, won't agree though and there will be people who take exception to the fact that you want to, them to stay two meters apart we do need to live in, to to encourage a society where there is respect for more respect for other people's 
feelings about this. Uh, and I don't know, maybe coloured badges, you know, the reds and the greens or something like that. I, I, I saw a poll recently, um, survey, and currently, and it was in, in, in a business forum. We hope you enjoyed listening to this bite-sized edition of Hospitality News and Views. The full editions are available on all popular podcasting platforms and include additional material which we hope you will enjoy. Thank you. Thank you.